Well, all right, all right, all right. Hello, guys. How y'all doing today? Mike, you doing okay? I am. I am, Brad. I am, uh... I'm a little weirded out, to be honest with you, because you came in with that very soothe, sultry kind of tone there in that intro, and then, you know, <laughs> couple that with the couple that with the mid-90s porn music that's going on in the background. It just, I I thought that you had a pizza in your hand or something. I thought this was just going to get weird. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> you sound like you're on NPR, but, you know, not crazy. Uh, guys if you haven't figured it out by now this is going to be a little bit uh, different take on the show Um, as always I'm Brad that's Mike we're Dallas Geek and today is our first audio only show Yeah, I just did the point like I normally do during the intro, I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I mean, you and I can see each other, but... That's fair. I mean, gesture all you'd like, if it makes you feel better. I, I, I don't think anybody else is going to care. But, one thing that you will enjoy, because this is audio only, and this is not going to be going to one of the platforms we have to worry about being demonetized on later... This is your one and only content warning. Mike will be allowed to curse almost all he'd like. Yeah. Get no that, button. Get that parental get that parental advisory warning label ready, Brad. Oh yes. Uh, but guys, seriously though, uh, the normal shilling, uh, real fast. If this is your first time to check out our show, you picked an interesting one. Um, If you want to be able to check out more of our stuff, you can catch the videos of our shows over on Facebook and YouTube. And you can catch all of our audio uh, for interviews, live streams, and now these audio exclusives here on Apple Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, and Stitcher. Because reasons. <laughs> and Tinder <laughs> and Grinder and Bumble. I mean maybe you. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I mean I don't discriminate, do you? I mean, gotta keep the fans happy, right? <sighs> True. <laughs> Uh, But Mike, what are we talking about today on this very interesting and possibly weird episode? And possibly last episode. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I think today we decided on, we are going to be discussing, how did, did we decide how we were going to refer to it? Are we going to call it the SWCU? We're going to call it the... Uh, what, what, I think it's what, just the Star uh, Wars I guess... EU. I, I, I don't think there's really been a new naming for it since the right. what's now considered Legends books. You know, the, the Star Wars expanded universe. It's just, right. you know, 
the current canon version. So. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> yes, the Star Wars EU. Uh, I, I There are definitely going to be a lot of mixed and probably strong opinions. Definitely from us, but also mm. likely from our audience. So we will try to be at least semi-sensitive about that. But at the same time, um, I don't think Disney's really concerned about getting their feelings hurt. So we're going to be pretty fucking honest. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, uh, let's just, I'm going to be very candid. I don't give a shit about hurting anybody's feelings either. So, yeah. I mean, the, the real truth is there have been some good things done with the current version of the Star Wars EU. There have been plenty of bad things that have happened with it, and we will do our best to not let our opinions of the sequel trilogy color our thoughts on the Star Wars EU as it stands. Um, mm -hmm. Because, in all honesty, the Star Wars EU really is different than what the sequel trilogy gave us. You have a lot of other authors, a lot of other creative minds that have been brought into it that right. actually understand storytelling, plot development, you know, proper literary techniques that make for great stories. They haven't not all that been winners, J. J. Abrams, but... Not that J.J. Abrams doesn't, just to clarify. Uh, let's be clear, though. J.J. Abrams' style of storytelling, and honestly, most cinematic styles of storytelling, are very different from the storytelling methods of novels and comics and you oh, know, more long-form yeah. stories. Absolutely, And yeah. now we have everything on Disney Plus that has come out right. and is going to be coming out to be able right. to use as more go-bys, right. for better or worse. Right. Yeah, because I mean, because so, you, know, you, you know, we are because at the at the Disney shareholder day, we got a lot of announcements for a lot of stuff that's coming. Yes, and we will do our best to avoid speculation. Right. But at the same time, there is going to have to be some because I mean, they've already given us a, a starting place for what these stories are going to be about. And we can use what we've already seen to imply. If we're proven wrong later, well, cool. <laughs> I'm never wrong, Brad, so it's okay. That is fair. Yep. <laughs> so where would you like to start, Singor Brad, since you are mm. the you know more about Star Wars than I do? Mm. Even well, though I up let's go ahead the Star Wars section of the trivia for our Jeopardy game that we played a couple months ago. Uh-huh. Let's go ahead and start on the happier end of this. Okay. Let's talk about what they've done right so far with the Star Wars EU. Okay. What has Disney gotten right? And the easiest place to start is going to be the Mandalorian. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I... the Mandalorian and technically Rebels and the final 
final season of The Clone Wars? Well, uh, I wouldn't say that the final season of The Clone Wars they got completely right, because that that four-episode stretch with Ahsoka and those two sisters was harder to watch than two girls, one cup. Wow. I... but i mean as far as what we have as solid versions of the star wars eu that most people have probably seen that that's at least a place where we can begin so mandalorian i think you and i can agree is probably the universally strongest entry here Maybe tied yeah, yeah. with Rebels, because in all honesty, I am obsessed with Rebels. Yeah, I, you know, if I remember right, I think Rebels was... Uh, the reaction to it was mixed when it first hit, and then yeah. as it ran through the course of its of its lifespan, um, you know, the the fans really grew to love it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I do, I do know several fans like... Uh, one that's been on our show multiple times that uh, was not a big fan of some of the stuff that they did in the last season of Rebels, what with, you know, spoilers, Ooh. the reveal of being able to time travel and whatnot. Oh, fucking which I will, man. Which I will, I will never forget. I will never forget <laughs> he and I having that conversation. And he's like, I swear to God, he's like, with J.J. Abrams running this shit, you'd think they'd do something stupid like put time travel in Star Wars. And I had already seen that episode, and he had it, and I just, like, laughed. <laughs> okay, so, in all fairness, but if you really want to dive into that part of the storyline, yes, time travel was a new iteration, but it wasn't really the strangest thing that had been brought into Star Wars canon. If you look back at the original EU... And you're talking about the wills, because that very mm-hmm. final Star Wars um, legacy storyline, yep. uh, right before the novels were canceled and revamped with the Disney canon, that went into some very weird places that, I mean, yeah, it wasn't time travel, but it wasn't exactly your daddy Star Wars either. Well... <laughs> And if you remember right, you know, just to kind of get off on a side tangent, the wills were supposed to be like the focal point for the what Lucas was going to do with the sequel trilogy. Which, I mean, sure, whatever. But yeah, no, you look, can I put think, whatever the expanded you want into that. Yeah, but I think what made the expanded universe so genius, and I think what it still does now, and I think you see this with the with the Mandalorian, and then you also saw it with Rebels and with Clone Wars is mm-hmm. creators that really, really know how to long-form storytell, right? Yes. The fact that with The Mandalorian, we went back to the episodic release where we get one episode a week. With Rebels, oh, yeah. it was the same thing. With Clone Wars, it was the same thing. Now, Clone Wars was obviously before they started doing the Netflix bullshit of we're going to release everything all at once, which part of me hates because I have to binge it, and then part of me loves yeah. because when Stranger Things hits, I get to binge it in one night and then call out for work the next day. I mean, I'm no. Look, I've I'm going to be honest. That. It, I will give Disney shit all day long 
for so much of the gimmicky crap they have done with their media, especially in the last 10 years. But yep. I think the most brilliant move they did was to take Disney Plus releases and force people to go back to the week-by-week waiting because not only is it a fantastic marketing move because now it it requires uh, a a mandatory public saturation on social media of whatever the Mm -hmm. length of that season is, which by far outranks even the most popular Netflix uh, mass drop that you get. But at the same time, it it gives you more time as an audience member to process and appreciate. So maybe you might actually have a shot at remembering everything. True, true, very true. And it's it's it was really and you know it's it's funny because for all the people that say that Disney plays everything so safe, like it was a big <laughs> risk to go back to that format because everything. Yeah that had been happening up to that point had shifted to the season comes out all at the same time format. And it had been mm-hmm. that way for a couple of years. Like we had really kind of seen outside of, you know, outside of cable television shows, we kind of seen the death of the, the weekly episodic release. Yeah. And for Disney to double down and be like, yeah, no, you know what? Fuck that. We're doing, we're doing things the way we want to do it. And the way we want to do it is, is you're going to get one episode a week and your ass is going to have to sit there in anticipation for six days until we drop the next one. Which again, yeah. loves because like you said, it makes you process, it makes you dwell on it, it makes you think, it makes you anticipate what's coming. And part of me hates it, like especially with watching WandaVision right now, I want to fucking know what's happening next. I don't want to have to wait next Friday. Yeah, same and, thing with the Mandalorian. Well, I mean, look back at. Well, let's go ahead and look at probably the most resounding success Netflix has had, Stranger Things. Yep. Tell me that a month or two months after you finished binging each season, you didn't have issues trying to remember certain specific points of the season and had to go back and rewatch it. Tell me that wasn't an issue. Very candidly, I got on the Stranger Things bus late. Like, I saw season one probably about three or four months after it came out, and I binged it in one night. Mm -hmm. And then it was so good that I went and rewatched it. Like, I I rewatched season one before season two came out probably like seven or eight times. Yeah. Like... Season two obviously wasn't as strong. Season three was amazing, and I binged it pretty much in two days. Mm. Um, and I've rewatched it a couple times since. But yeah, like it's there. It, with me, I'm usually pretty. I don't want to say psychotic when it comes to taking in knowledge, but oh, no, no, I mean, no. like I pay psychotic feels to right. Stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, that's fair. If you could see me now, oh, oh, if you could see me right now, <laughs> um. Like, sitting here in the dark, just, like, stroking my facial hair. <laughs> I mean, Staring I think everybody into... just assumes that's what you do in your free time. That's fair. Well, but, no, but look. Maybe I not think... your facial hair, but stroking something in the dark. Wow. You're really going to do... <laughs> really going to go there, are you? Okay. <laughs> and, and you gave and you gave the warning about me before we started this. Okay. That seems I mean... Sincere. But, no, it's... 
look, like you said, like it gives you an opportunity to process what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, like especially with the Mandalorian, like there were several times this season where I was like, okay, um, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what? Let me go back and rewatch that episode because I'm sure there's several things that I missed. You go back and rewatch. You're like, oh, okay. Now this this could be very cool to see where they take it. And then there's things that they drop on you, like in. Can we get into spoilers? Yeah, no, no fuck. Oh, yeah. I'm getting into spoilers. I don't care. <laughs> um, when in the episode with Ahsoka, when she's like, "Where is uh, Admiral Thrawn?" I was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 wait, 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 Grand what? Admiral, sorry, don't you dare give him a demotion. Oh, okay. Uh, kind of like Supreme he Fear. He earned uh, always that gotta title. Give, yeah, like the Supreme Fear. Always gotta, always gotta address them <laughs> with the correct title, huh? Um, I mean, but no. When she's like, yeah. "Where is?" Yeah. When she's like, "Where, where is Grand Admiral Thrawn?" I was like, "What?" I'm sorry. What the fuck? And of course, yeah. The two people that I was watching it with were like, "Who?" And I was like, "Shut the fuck up. I'll explain later." <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's that, it's that. Holy shit! Now. We then had, like, a 20-minute conversation about Thrawn and Rebels and Ezra and how mm-hmm. maybe, like, holy shit, Dave Filoni, is he gonna, is he gonna tie Rebels into, into the Mandalorian? Like, is that the sequel? Like, is that, is he really gonna do this? And we still don't know what's going to happen to it. We still don't know what it's becoming of it, but they have the Ahsoka series, which could go anywhere, but we had, like, a 45-minute to an hour-long conversation about it right after the episode ended. Like, here's how yeah. it ties in, here's everything that happened, blah, blah, blah. Like, we couldn't... I, I don't think we would necessarily be able to do that and then sit there and contemplate where we think it could go or speculate where we think it could go and actually reflect on it if we have immediately jumped into the next episode. Well, and even more... And I realize that casual fans will look at this side of the Star Wars fandom and think that they're the crazy ones. Like, they're they're the nerdiest nerds that shouldn't be given any credence. But the side of the Star Wars fandom that enjoys going and finding the most random and obscure things, especially the most random and obscure flubs. Like, the whoever that blessed fan was that found the crew member with the jeans that made like half a frame in one episode of the Mandalorian this past season and made it blow up all over the internet. And then they went back and digitally fixed it like a week later. But that side of the Star Wars fandom has always had a special place in the fandom. It's the reason why you can go to conventions and, well, well, conventions happened. And you could see people cosplaying the sound guy from A New Hope that was going around shirtless with the, uh, the hot pink uh, booty shorts. Um... It's such an obscure reference, but for the hardcore fans, it's the stuff that really matters, as absurd as it is. And by having that extra time to process the episodes, to find those slight imperfections, that actually adds to the fun for the fandom. And I will never... uh, 
I'll never mock those little flubs because, yeah, it's an imperfection, but, I mean, there's such a large part of the fandom that enjoys finding that stuff. Yeah, some of them are going to be dicks about it and go, uh, see, see, it's not as good. But it's such a fun thing to find, like, the one thing that these people that work their asses off to make these things as good as they are... You know, it's something to latch on to and just have fun with. And I, I right. think that is fantastic. Yeah, look, I completely agree. I think I think anything that kind of... I'm trying to think of how to word this. Mm -hmm. I think anything that's going to open up the fandom to... You know what? Help me out here, Brad. What am I trying to say? The Uber nerds. Yeah. Make it more accessible to a larger spectrum of fans. Yeah, and I, well, I, I, yes, but I almost wanted to say, I, I also wanted to say it in a way that's not. I don't want to say dumbing down, but I almost want to say dumbing down, right? Like we don't have to dumb it. Yeah. Well, no. But I'm. Like, yeah. But like, what I'm saying is, is we don't have to cater to the casuals by dumbing down the source material. Sure. Be able because to then you have the you you have something the to quote, uber nerds, right? Because you have the quote uber nerds or the mm -hmm. the uh, gatekeepers, if you will. Oh fuck. That look down on. Well, we'll be talking about every, those look, later. <laughs> Like every fandom has them, right? Every fandom has mm. the gatekeepers, the Sadly. the ones that that you know worship it like a religion and look down. In fairness, on Star well, the Jedi Order Jedi is, is a, religion. a religion in what New Zealand, yep. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think you can actually put, if I remember right, I think you can actually put Jedi on your dog tags in the military. I'm okay with that. <laughs> which is fucking hilarious when you think about it. Because um, you guys are completely missing the point. Uh, or maybe you're not. Hmm. Uh, it depends. Are, are, are we talking Clone Wars era Jedi or uh, proper Jedi? Well, it's a proper Jedi. Because Luke Skywalker struggled with that whole thing for apparently 30 years. Let's say pre-Phantom Menace Jedi. You know, the... Oh, so before the George traditional. fucked it up. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, look, I think... I think anything that you can do to make your audience grow... Mm -hmm. And that doesn't also have one entire section of your fan base shitting on the other is a good thing. Unfortunately... Yeah. It really does seem like Star Wars is the worst of this. Like, it really does. Like... Yeah. Like Star Wars, it, Star Wars fandom is quite possibly the most toxic fandom out there. Well, yeah, no, I, I think an argument could be made for that because it is one of the nerdy properties that has such a wide public appeal beyond the classic nerd fan base. I mean, sure, the MCU has a very large public fan base now, but mm -hmm. 
you're not going to be finding as many people universally latch on to the MCU in the same way they do Star Wars. Partially because right. Star Wars has been around longer, but also partially because Star Wars taps into something slightly more primal in what its stories focus on than what Marvel does. And that's like really going back to the original using, trilogy. You mean like space wizards using telekinesis to blow up and shape space stations? Well, it, it touches on the the classic elements of Greek mythology. You know, those things that have kind of shaped our literature and storytelling, well, at least Western storytelling, you know, for centuries. And unfortunately, Mar well, fortunately or unfortunately, Marvel does that a little too blatantly, uh, and people can see through that. Star Wars has enough levels to its storytelling that it's easy for certain people to see Star Wars and miss some of those classic storytelling elements and have it kind of get past any guards they put up because, you know, they're not expecting, oh, Space Wizards is going to try to get me to ask some very deep-seated moral and ethical questions. Sure, sure, yeah. No, 100%. And I think and I think that's what was so great about the original Star Wars EU. Yeah. Before Disney picked it up and retconned basically everything and started to... And, and who's to say that Disney can't recapture that? Now, there are people that say that they don't have near the creative minds working on the EU, especially on the, the written side... But, I, I mean, let's not forget, like, what made the novels and the comics so great was that Lucas didn't have anything to do with them. Like, Lucas had approval, but, I mean, this was this was people coming up with their own stories and fitting them into the greater Star Wars timeline, but still having creative control enough to tell the stories that they wanted to tell, and there were some creative sons of bitches that were doing it. So... Like who's to this say? This is that where we, we got to start diving into. Well, this is where we got to dive into the less than stellar side of the current Star Wars EU, because there are some fantastic parts of the written. Um, I think of the two written mediums, the comics have some of the weakest storytelling, but. That's mostly for the mainline stor uh, stories. Uh, you go for some of the side stories, like the Dr. Aphra comics. You have some fantastic stuff happening. But, you know, you go for, like, the Star Wars proper storylines. There, there's some weak stuff happening. And a lot of that is because, just like with a maybe half or so of the books, there have been some very heavy shackles that have been put on the authors uh, to restrict the amount of creativity they can have. Because right. with the mainline stories for the comics, they have to fit in 
to the narrative that was presented with the original movies. And for a specific amount of time for those comics, it has to be something that can fit between each of the movies. And since there have been some novels that have been coming out in addition to the comics during that time, now you're restricting those stories even more because they're forcing the comics to stick with a almost predetermined timeline. And they're not giving right. that kind of flexibility to the authors. And, and that's hurting them. It's the same thing with the novels, uh, but in a slightly different way. Because the novels... Right. The novels have been forced to try to recreate the Star Wars expanded universe. Mm -hmm. But the expanded universe as it was at the end. Trying to recreate that massive, uh, widespread thing that it became. But they're not doing it the way that the original one was built. They're trying to, they're saying the original Star Wars EU had all these different stories that we could tell about all these different characters in all these different locations, so that's where we need to start. But they forget that the reason why the EU worked in the first place was because it started focusing on the same specific tight-knit characters that the movies were. It focused on Han, Luke, and Leia, and built the stories around them, tossed in some additional characters here and there as side characters, gave them their own stories when they proved popular, and then kind of built off of that. They're not doing that here, so the current EU, if you get a popular character that gets one or two books, that's it. You're not getting a full set of stories for that character. Like, the first trilogy of novels that came out after Disney took over, you had those three books that the characters were in, and then they never showed up again except as one of them was a side character in the movies and then was killed off-screen in Rise of Skywalker. And had, like, two lines in the Poe Dameron comic. That's it. You're yeah, not giving think, any characters time to grow. Right. Look, I think, and I think, um, and Brad, just let me know if you're picking it up, because it is raining hellishly hard over here, and it is beating on the side of my window. Which oh, I'm sitting it's right raining here, to, too, so but just... I hear nothing on you, so you're good. <laughs> okay, cool. Because um, I, like, I literally just heard, like, just dripping water hitting my window, and I was like, ah, oh, that sounds lovely. Um, but no, look, I think you're 100% right. I think that's where I think that's where Disney has struggled the most with taking over the expanded universe and choosing to basically erase it and start their own. I think a lot of people were really upset with that when it first happened. And I think it was an emotional reaction more of a than more of a intellectual reaction because they had invested and they had read and they had all of this stuff. Um, but I don't necessarily think that they were wrong in that, like, Disney literally took 30 years and is basically just wiping the slate clean and they're going to have to build up. The only problem is, is that it's constantly going to be 
compared to what came before it. And unfortunately, like you said, they have stumbled out of the box. They're trying to figure it out as they're going, right? They want to do it sure. different, but they want to do it enough like the old EU that they want to use it as a... Some would argue they're trying to use it as a blueprint. Others would say they're just have their heads up their asses and they don't know what they're doing at all. But yeah, either way, sure. that's going to be it's going to be drawing constant criticism and constant connection and constant comparisons. And I just don't know if Disney just didn't... I don't want to say that they didn't think that far ahead, but part of me thinks that they didn't think that far ahead. <laughs> like, well, part it's... of me thinks that they hadn't they hadn't planned for needing to... Part of me thinks that they tried to expand it too quickly. Well, it's what you and I have talked about before. Uh, the difference in approach towards creating a joint universe between the MCU method and the DCEU method. The MCU right. starts with that main core cast. Uh, that main set of characters that the other stories are developed around. And they build. And they build. And they build. And by the time you finally get to events that split off and become this big grandiose thing, you've earned it. The DCEU saw what people liked about the MCU and tried to just create that from the start without earning it. That's kind of right. what the books have done because the books look at what the old books did. Like, they saw that, hey, the old uh, Star Wars EU had a Rose Squadron series. People liked having a series that was about the military and not a single Jedi. Well, Cornhorn accepted. Uh, they liked having these regular characters in there. So we're going to give them military stories. But they didn't give a single story. They created multiple single stories that all happened to be about military. But you didn't get a, a set that was about the same characters. It was just the same idea. Right. And then you go in and they saw, well, people liked the Star Wars tales. You know, these little books that were comprised of these short stories about side characters from Moss Eisley or bounty hunters or whatever. And it wasn't really this big novel. It was a collection of novellas that was fun. Let's do that. And then they made frickin' Canto Bite as a novel. And it was yeah. awful. Yeah. They didn't learn. Even the that first trilogy that came out after Disney took over... The, um, 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 hold on, I have it, I have it, I have it, it is the Aftermath Trilogy. Even though the main story in those three books was about a specific cast of characters, it kept interrupting that with these little novellas for side stories that were not connected to the main story whatsoever and didn't actually connect to any other books that came out. They were just supposed to be 
building the grander universe. And just like Canto Bite. <laughs> Chuck Wendig is not a bad author, but doing as much as he could with that in all three books, if those were the only things of his you'd read, you'd think he sucked. Like yeah. you would be surprised that Disney chose him for any books. Yeah. But it was because Disney shackled him down. A lot of yeah. other authors have had the same issues. Only a couple have gotten carte blanche on what they wanted and have proven that that was the right thing to do. Claudia Gray, fantastic. Unfortunately, she keeps getting one-offs. So as great as her stories are, you don't get to build on it. The right. only one that has really gotten to build on his stuff is the master himself, Timothy Zahn. And that's only been with the Thrawn books. He got one trilogy, and then he got a second trilogy, and that's all he's getting right now. But he's getting a little bit of advisory roles here and there, but it's still not quite the same as authors getting multiple trilogies with the same characters. You can't really justify that if it's just one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, it's almost like they want to have their cake and eat it too, I guess. Yeah. They want to have complete creative control, but they want to give people, like, it's, you know, it's, you guys, they need to pick a path and go down it. Do does Disney want to have complete and total say over what goes into the novel side and into the comic side? And if so, then just do it. Just give, you know, give the creator the, hey, here are the story point, like, here are the storyboards that you need to hit, here are the story points that you need to hit, now go. Mm -hmm. Or do they want to do it like, hey, so, you know what? Here's where, here's where point A is, here's where point B is, just you decide. Yeah. I mean, I think with the upcoming High Republic stories, mm -hmm. the fact that Disney supposedly backed off, brought in a group of writers to work together on individual stories that all tie together across multiple mediums for one era of storytelling I think that might have the best chance at giving us something akin to the original EU at least the best of it um, and maybe with some of these new uh, shows we can see that I mean we know that Dave Filoni is going to be involved with um, Ahsoka right and they seem to be willing to let him do whatever he wants. Um, right. And hopefully, Patty Jenkins will actually be given the the latitude to do whatever the hell she wants with Rogue Squadron. So we have a chance, maybe. Yeah, the, the Patty Jenkins one, I don't know. Because I have not heard good things about Wonder Woman 84. Well, and that's the thing. Patty Jenkins is a good director when the studio stays the hell out. Yeah. Wonder Woman 1984 
the things that I've heard that didn't go well, the bits and pieces that have been able to be put together, it does sound like Patty Jenkins had uh, a bit of interference from the studio in the same way that she had from the first one's ending. You know, because the ending was the weakest part of the first one, and that's the part that the studio came back and said, uh, this just doesn't feel big enough. So they made right. her redo it. So I- I'm hoping this can go better. Yeah, look, I think... I think... I almost want to say that at this point, Disney needs to come to the realization that there is going to be an entire section of the fan base that is going to just with all piss and venom hate anything that they do because it's Disney. So at this point, they either need to come to the conclusion that, hey, we want complete creative control over what goes on and just very candidly, all you motherfuckers can sit and spin. Or, hey, you know what? Maybe complete creative control isn't the exact right that we need to go. What made the EU so great was the individual storytellers being able to be creative and tell the stories and still within the confines of the greater expanded universe. Yeah. But still still telling the the hardcore fan base to sit and spin. Sure. I just I think they need to commit to it. Like they need to figure out what they want to do because like as I haven't I haven't looked too much at what's going on on the the written side of the EU. But, like, I'm looking at The Mandalorian and I'm seeing something like, I, I, I cannot for the life of me fathom anybody at Disney having what seems like any kind of creative control over anything that's been happening in The Mandalorian so far. Because it is the most un-Star Wars thing that's been going on oh, yeah. since Disney took over Star Wars. Yeah, and that, that's the heart of the problem. Disney's Star Wars in all forms is Star Wars. Big S. Star yeah. Wars. The legend. The legacy. The aesthetic. The Star Wars EU worked because it was Star Wars this in spirit it was star wars the heart the the thing that made the movies so great just put into new context Mm -hmm. well you know what was zombie stormtroopers and all too Eh. i mean granted that (laughs) that wasn't as good of a book as a lot of other options out there but it was at least a risk they, they were willing to try something new, and so it didn't work. Fuck it. You got zombies in well, Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, they were willing to take a risk in uh, The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yes, but the difference is, you take a risk in a book, you don't crash the franchise. You take a risk in one of the main trilogies... You have a chance to completely offset a decade's worth of storytelling. Yeah. I mean, 
keep in mind, because of the controversy behind the trilogy, the, the sequel trilogy, we have had a handful of comics that actually addressed those characters in that portion of the timeline. And kind of part of a book. And that's it. We haven't yeah. really had any more exploration of Ray, Poe, Finn, uh, anybody that was brought in from the sequel trilogy. It just hasn't happened, which is very unfortunate because they had so much promise. But if we're never going to get another movie with one of them in it, and we don't get a chance to be able to get more of them in a book or comic or something, then what was the fucking point? Like, you spent all right. these hundreds of millions of dollars on those three movies if you're not even going to try to develop their characters and pull a prequel trilogy and try to fix them in the books, then why'd you fucking right. do it in the first place? Right. And I think, well, look, and I think that's, that's, I guess, yeah, and I think that's, that's kind of a, that's kind of an issue too, is seeing where the expanded universe goes with the characters that we were introduced in the new trilogy. Yeah. It's, it's, cause, I mean, because cause this was billed as the end of the Skywalker saga. Mm -hmm. The Skywalkers will never, you know, if we're to take that at face value, the Skywalkers will never play a prominent role in anything that's on cinema, again, if not for a while. But who's to say that Maybe. Ray can't I mean, go teach a new Jedi? There was that season finale for Mandalorian. Well, sure. Sure, but I I just it feels like it feels like there's so much left up in the air right now, mm. and it just feels very directionless. Yeah, I mean, and, and I could go off on a tangent about this forever, but I, I will keep this part very brief. Um, one of the biggest issues that proves how much Disney has misunderstood what people liked about Star Wars before <clears throat> is epitomized by how much they feel the need to expand on characters from movies that they have already created. Like, why the fuck do we need Andor the show? I mean, right. look, whether or not like you liked Rogue One, and I mean, obviously, I've had shifting thoughts on it, but currently my idea about Rogue One was that it was a very weak storytelling uh, that happened to have a really cool-looking finale. But yeah. there was nothing about any of those characters that really felt like it needed to be developed further. And in fact, the character of uh, Jen Erso only worked for me because I actually read the book Catalyst before watching the movie. So I got the story that built up to it about her father and about uh, Orson Krennic 
and the whole development of the Death Star in the first place, so that when her part of the story came in, it made a bit more sense, and I got the nods back to the story. Um, right. But for everybody else, none of that really made any difference, and I don't really see why you need this one character, Cassian Andor, to have his own show. I mean, don't get me wrong, Diego Luna, good actor. Alan Tudyk, fantastic actor. But what makes those characters worthy of their own show? Even if it's a single season and done, the fuck's the point? Why do we need it? Yeah, and look, my, my whole problem with Rogue One was, is how do I get emotionally invested in a story that I already know how it's going to end? And some of the characters were really good, right? Like, it, like, like seeing, you know, seeing Donnie Yen in, in fucking Star Wars was dope. Yeah, but, but now we also got uh, Tentacle Hentai as canon, so... <laughs> yeah... Yeah, you could have just fucking left that one out. Um, and let us never like forget, of... between that and the Rathtars from uh, The Force Awakens, we now know Tentacle Hentai really is a thing for Star Wars. Like, th there's no avoiding that one now. If it was one or the other, yeah. maybe. But both of them together? No, th there's yeah. a reason. You got some yeah. freaks in there. <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah, but no, I just look. It's it's cool. Un unfortunately, you know the way that Solo bombed, the way that it did, it kind of put a hold on the expanded universe, which was a shame. Yeah, but it looks like we're getting the reset button with um, with what's to Lando. come. But like, sure. Yeah, Lando, but then you've also got the Cassian Andor story, you've got Rogue Squadron, you've got Rangers of the New Republic. I just, my, my question is, how many of these stories, like, did we, like, like you said, did we really need a Cassian Andor series? Yeah. Couldn't we have put that towards something else? Well, like, look. Yes, we need to redevelop the Star Wars EU the same way the original one was developed. Grab a specific set of characters that you want to build it around, and yes, you can have the argument of, well, why does one specific set of characters, even if it's not Han, Luke, and Leia, have to be so all-important to the galaxy? They don't. They just need to be a focus point to build other stories around so that fans have something to latch on to. That's it. They need some consistency in stories. But right. you have the opportunity to use the same type of stories that you had before if you go with a central cast of characters and you can rebuild that stuff. Look, you can do Lando. You can do Acolyte. You can do even... A fucking droid story, whatever. I don't care. Just do it smart. Give us something to connect to. Because otherwise, if you have all these disparate stories around, you really do have 
to be a fan that's willing to watch every show, read every book, read every comic, uh, check out every web mini if you want to keep up. Because there is no through line to latch on to. So if you don't watch or read or get involved with everything, you're going to miss out and it's not going to feel complete. And that is a problem. Yeah, and look, and the other thing that we haven't talked about yet is where the video games are going to fit in. <sighs> Which, Cause there have been some big winners Fallen, there. Fallen Order was a fantastic game. And it is exactly. canon. I mean, it I haven't played the it, of but it. I know the story. It's, oh, it's, it's fantastic. The story's good. It ends with the possibility for a sequel. It actually ends li literally like, hey, if we want to continue with these characters, we 100% can. And. But how does that fit in? You have a lead character in Star Wars that's a ginger. Right. Other than Mara Jade. Who else did we ever have that fit that description? Right. You know. Right. Represent the redheads a little bit. <laughs> Granted, speaking of representation, <laughs> I will say the books are actually the one place where representation of different people as main characters actually has been happen uh, happening. Which is why it is so depressing that we do not get to build on those characters as much. Like, one of my absolute favorite stories from the current books, and I know some people will give me shit for it because it's technically a YA novel, but you have uh, the very first novel Claudia Gray wrote for Star Wars, which was um, Star by Star. And it focused on... It focused on a character that... Well, two characters that grew up in a poverty-stricken planet on the Outer Rim. One guy who... Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm 90% sure he was a redhead. And a girl who, if you're not paying attention to the very obvious descriptions, is black. And she is so well written. And uh, you got so much character development from her by having her be the one that stays with the Empire after the events of A New Hope. He leaves because he can't take the, uh, the, the evil that he sees anymore. And while they are absolutely in love with each other, they have to reconcile their relationship with the differing ideologies that they are like so deeply committed to between the rebels and the empire and it's so well done that if you get more stuff like that if we could have developed those characters more with other stories and maybe even i don't know bring it to screen 
you would have built-in opportunities to have that natural inclusion of other people in Star Wars so you could have that representation there and not have people that don't read the books just completely glance over the fact that we have gay characters already. We have minority characters. We just don't get them on screen. And that sucks because there are some great stories out there that give more people the chance to be able to identify with Star Wars. And the fan base needs that if you want to get past these fucking gatekeepers. I mean, the one thing I will say is look at the worst controversy that came out of The Last Jedi. I mean, everything that came up because of Rose Tika. Sorry, Rose Tico. Um, what's her name? Uh, Kelly Marie uh, Tran. Yeah. That alone really represents the reason why the amount of representation you have in books needs to be brought to screen. Because this is all being brought up by these dumbass little nerds that haven't actually been reading the books that don't realize that you actually have women as lead characters. You have gay people as lead characters. You have all of these non-male white characters in Star Wars already. And just because they happen to be put on screen is not some uh, SJW bullshit. It is Star Wars. We just haven't had enough movies or TV shows to let these casual fans that have chosen to become gatekeepers to realize that's been Star Wars for fucking decades. Well, and I, I, I want to push back on that because I felt like that was the wrong way to do it was that character. Oh, no, absolutely. Was Rose. But the reaction like, we got I, to her embodies the problem. I, her character well, it, should never so, been done that way. So I well so here's here's the problem with the vitriol that the actress received was horrible and she didn't deserve any of it but people should have been pissed off with that character being shoehorned into that movie the way that she was Oh absolutely because that character completely derailed already established characters and specifically Finn Oh yeah no, I will. Like, I, that's like, the one thing I will not like, forgive Ryan Johnson for. Like, I will forgive Ryan Johnson sooner for what he did to Luke than what he did to Finn. And that's look. And I think I think that's what some people try to argue about when you have the argument of representation just for the sake of representation is bad. Mm -hmm. Is they point at Rose as the prime example because hey, we had a strong female lead. Because Ray was already set up to be the female lead. Poe yeah. had, if you want to, like, if you really want to look at it, pro, pro, sorry, <laughs> Poe probably <laughs> had the weakest character development of any of the new big three in the first movie. Yeah. Finn and Ray got all of the character development. Uh, now it was good. It, it was it was good. Ray got most of the character development. Finn got in the first, and then was fucking sidelined well, and just well. Mm. So that's the, so in in last or sorry not last Jedi sorry, 
in Force Awakens, it was Finn and Rey mm -hmm. that received, and Ben Solo, that actually all three of them received the most character development for any of the three new characters, right? Sure. And then you completely and totally derail everything that Finn was set up with, mm -hmm. being the FN2487, I think it was his call number, and and the the mythology of like them going and basically capturing children when they're young and conditioning them to be stormtroopers yeah. and like brainwashing them to be killing machines like literally all of that shit was thrown out the window when rose was introduced and then it turned into finn struggling to find his place in the resistance and him struggling to prove himself when he literally just led an expedition onto star killer base to help destroy star star killer base yeah. Like that was uh, like that the bastardization of that character for the sake of another character just for the sake of more representation mm. I think is what people had the biggest grievance with. Well, and I think that they and I think 100% they had every right to have that grievance because they completely and totally sacrificed what could have been an amazing character. Like the the absolute emotional journey that you could have gone on with Finn learning you know him dealing with everything that he did as a stormtrooper him having to face that all of that you could have done all of that with him in the second yeah. and third movie and instead yeah. we got to see him running around a casino planet for 45 minutes and not do anything yeah but Rose is there to help him pull his head out of his ass because he treats because every chance he gets, he keeps trying to kill himself for the resistance, which was fucking stupid as shit. Yeah. Now, and that... Look. I absolutely disagree with the way that Rose was used. It should not have happened. It fucked over Finn in every possible way. Uh, and... Yeah. I am completely okay with John Boyega uh, continuing to rail against Disney for letting that happen like he has. And fuck, I'll back him as a fan uh, up until the day that Disney finally let somebody fix Finn's story. Cool. Yep. But the amount of vitriol that the character of Rose Tico and, of course, the actress uh, got because she was brought in as a main character who was female and Asian. Regardless of the reason why she was brought in, there were so many people out there, so many fucking trolls that wanted to go after her because of the fact that she was female and Asian and trying to say that that alone justified the whole SJW uh, argument. I, I mean, yes, the way she was used makes that argument for you, but the fact that she was those two things, that alone does not make it SJW. The, the fact that the sequel trilogy was based around a main character that was a woman, Rey, that's not SJW. Once again, these are just a bunch of sad little trolls that have never actually read any of the books and didn't realize that outside of the movies, 
you had a multitude of main characters out there that got a much broader spectrum of what Star Wars was. And all yeah. the look, fans uh, want is to just see that on screen. That's it. Yeah, look, I think... Just, but do it right. I, look, Right, and I think... Well, I think... I think the biggest pushback was is we're just going to introduce a bigger minority and that character is going to take the place of the already established minority character. Sure. That's where I think the big backlash was. Now, look, Star Wars has been political since the very beginning. Oh, yeah. Like, Star Wars has always been political. Like, they, they're called stormtroopers. Like if you guys it, it, if if you guys don't think that there's a direct <laughs> reference there to Nazi Germany, then I'm I mean, gonna need imp- y'all to take a step back and pick up a fucking history book. I mean, the Empire's entire aesthetic was pulled straight from the fucking Nazis. Yeah, go, this was go not. Go look some at what the officers. <laughs> go look at what the officers are wearing on the Death Star. <laughs> like. It's 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 pretty fucking apparent where the in, where the inspiration came from. But I think uh, yeah, unfortunately look, I think that's where like you said, I think the gatekeepers quote unquote, oh, damn it, people can't see me doing the air quote thing. Shit. Um <laughs> they can imagine. Yes, yes. I think that's where you saw the like I think that's where you saw the worst of the Star Wars fandom. And I think that's yeah. where you saw the worst of the fan of the the fan base and the gatekeepers come out was mm-hmm. was going after the actress. Which I'm sorry, mm-hmm. you're gonna tell me that an actress is gonna turn down an opportunity to be in fucking Star Wars? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, now who you, in the right th- mind would? I, I right, mean, look now, back at the prequel trilogy. Let, let's even look at the worst of them. Well categorically the worst of them. Oh, the uh, entire the entire prequels? Well, no. Uh, <laughs> depending on your metric, either The Phantom Menace or... Uh, Attack of the Clones? Attack of the Clones. Depending on the metric you're using to, uh, to gauge it, either one could be considered the worst. But either way, you had everybody... Fucking everybody jockeying to be part of that. Prince William and Harry did everything they could just to be able to get like a two second background cameo because it's fucking Star Wars. In sync. In all of the members of In Sync had cameos as Jedi's on the Battle of. Um... Whatever the Genosis. fuck, the big battle on... Uh, thank you, yeah, Genosis. At yes. the end of Attack of the Clones. As <laughs> as Jedi's in the Coliseum that showed up to help save Anakin and and, and Obi-Wan and Padme. Seriously. Nobody like, look, look, says look no it. to getting even a background two-second role in Star Wars. It's Star Wars. Well, like, look at it now. Look at it now. Look at all <laughs> of the cameos that we found out about during the sequel trilogy. <laughs> Daniel Craig, Simon Pegg... Like, fucking Bond I mean, was a stormtrooper. Yeah. Explicitly wanted the, a role that did not show his face, yeah. wasn't even credited for, just so yeah. he could be in it. And he yep. got lucky enough 
that that happened to interact with one of the main actors. Yep. I mean, that's a bonus. I mean, sure, yes, the fact that he's Daniel like, fucking Craig probably helped, but still. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, you think JJ's sitting there, wait, who's calling? <laughs> fucking D- Daniel Craig. <laughs> F- fucking Bond's calling me? What the fuck does James Bond want? No, I mean, yeah, I Daniel, can guarantee I think we can, you, I think we can fit next you movie in comes somewhere. Out, if George Clooney calls up and asks, hey, uh... Can I get like a, a two-second cameo in the movie? Whatever, can guarantee he will be the first character that gets killed off in the movie, and ha- the only line in it is eh, "just because." Well, I wouldn't. Okay, so I wouldn't bet on Clooney being a shoe in because Clooney would probably want nipples on his stormtrooper armor, and I just don't think that they would hey, go with that. Hey, <laughs> he apologized for that shit, but he didn't apologize for the bat credit card. Thanks, George. <laughs> but no, look, I, mean, I think that was a payday, <laughs> right? But look, Star Wars has always been this cultural phenomenon, and I completely and totally understand wanting to see more representation especially on the screen right because that's something that has been lacking i just think forcing it for the sake of forcing it is where you saw the most backlash now i think the other thing that didn't help either too was jen urso's character being such like being the weakest part of rogue one and that's and that's 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 felicity jones that's somebody that can act I like Felicity Jones. She's she's actually good. I mean, yes. I mean, we're, we're talking what they did to her in Rogue One is on par with what happened with, with what Natalie Portman in the prequels. What she's a fucking yeah. Oscar winner. Yeah. And if you just judge her ability to act by those three movies you'd think she had no career after. Yep. And then she went on to win an Oscar. <laughs> but she did hey, but she did look good in that all white outfit on uh, on Genosis. Oh, I'm not going to say no. It, it's become one of the yeah. classics. Like it, it is on par with uh the Slave Leia and yes. it's actually less yes, revealing. Which... <laughs> Yes, which you're going to tell me that there was a point to slave Leia's costume. Okay, yeah, George. Okay, yep. You know, that wasn't just pure exploitation at its greatest. Slave okay. Leia, with George being very emphatic, then and in A New Hope. Yep. Uh huh. There is no underwear in space. Uh huh. <sighs> yeah, I just I Fucking think George. Like I think. Yeah, I just... And of course, I'm not allowed to talk about this stuff because I'm a straight white male, so I don't know anything, and I'm just part of the patriarchy. But I just... Look, call it... I I, I am one of those people that I don't give a shit who's on the screen. I don't give a yeah. shit what their sexual orientation is. Tell me a good story. Yeah. Tell me a really good story. Keep me involved. I just... But, like, when you, when you have stuff like what happened to Finn... Like, goddamn, like that, like John Boyega, John Boyega, until he gets a call from Ryan Johnson personally apologizing, should be pissed every day for the rest of his life. 
Oh yeah. Like God, like you are you are literally being set up as one of the next big three, <laughs> and you get thrown off to the side, and your character just acts like a complete and total dipshit for basically every second that you're on screen in the follow-up film. Look, the way I see it, if Star Wars wants to be able to speak to a wider audience base and know that they're doing so while being considerate of representation, there's one mindset they need to take. Will anybody over at Fox News be pissed when they see this movie or show? If the answer is yes, you're probably doing something right as far as representation. No, because I guarantee you they did that same thing with Kelly Marie Tran's character, and that was not the right thing for representation. Well, did you see some of the uh, quote-unquote opinion pieces that popped up on Fox after that first trailer was released for The Force Awakens and John Boyega came out? Oh my gosh. There were so many people that lost their fucking minds over the fact that there's a black stormtrooper. Oh my gosh. Where are my pearls? Fucking Tucker Carlson lost his mind for like a fucking week over it. So... (laughs) So in my mind, yes, you can go as far as saying if you push too far you're gonna piss them off as well but in general the fact that you know if you are a popular pop culture property and you include a main character who is a minority or who is gay or worst of all somehow is a woman they're gonna get pissed So, if you go with the approach that if they first off say, oh, this is a bad idea, it's the SJWs going at it again, but you actually wrote it well, then maybe you're doing something okay. Well, so that's, well, and that's, and that's the problem is, is it hasn't been written well, right? Yeah. Like it hasn't. That's the problem. Oh, no, absolutely not. Right? Like. If, if you, you can need bring a change in, of leadership can, for the story team. Like, if you can bring in Rose, and you can mm-hmm. make her a viable character and play off Finn, and have them grow together... Sure. Awesome. But I think everybody saw that they sacrificed Finn for her development. And the other thing, too, was... Um, uh, fuck, what's her name? Uh, Admiral Haldo. Which, that killed me. Because, ah, oh, shit, the actress's name. Uh, Laura Dern. Yeah, Laura Dern, I mean, regardless of what your opinions of her personally and her politics are, because, I mean, I will never say that she isn't extremely left-leaning and vocal about it. So, of course. you know, the... It's Hollywood, shocker. The, yeah, well, I mean, 
it, wasn't she one of the ones that Matt and Trey made fun of in Team America World Police? No, they didn't make fun of her. They made fun of um, Susan Sarandon. Ah, uh, yeah. But, I mean, your, your, she is kind of Susan Sarandon level uh, with her public politics. But even still, Laura Dern can fucking act. The fact that yeah, they... Yeah, I just... In, in, in the books, especially Claudia Gray, uh, she did... Uh, a Princess Leia book. Um, I'm blanking mm-hmm. on the name right now, but it's it was the in canon first introduction of Admiral Holdo back when uh, she and Leia were coming up together. Right. Yeah. Because they, they establish so it in the movie. Yeah. Because they establish it in the movie that they came up through the ranks together and that they're very yeah. close. Which I just I mean, there was so much potential, only... especially because in the books, not only was she written so well. She was written pansexual. Like, if you want a representation, don't fucking kill her off in the first movie you have. She was... Like... Did you ever watch... Oh, wait, no, you haven't watched um, Doctor Who. Mm -mm. Okay, so there's a character in Doctor Who... uh, I know you know this guy, uh, played by um, John Barman. You know, Captain yeah. Jack Harkness. He yep. is a pansexual that while in the shows and even the audio dramas primarily goes after human males, uh-huh. in canon, male, female, alien, human-compatible genitalia, maybe, maybe not, doesn't matter. He's willing as to bang in and as long as it's got a pulse. More or less, that was Admiral Holdo. In canon, she's dated men, women, aliens. I I want to say there was even a, a a mention of her dating an alien with a, a see-through skull, and it didn't bother her, like. That was somebody that you had a, potential with. And Laura Dern had the acting chops to do it. And you fucking killed her after, what, four, five scenes? No, she was... So she was in She was in more of the movie than that. Um, the only problem that I had with Admiral Haldo... Because it was really interesting where you could have taken her, especially when they started kind of chipping away at the fact that her and Leia had really deep history and Leia really mm. trusted her and had a mm-hmm. genuine bond with her was that they did the whole I just it was such a caricature of I'm going to ride Poe Dameron's ass and then really revealed I actually really like him and that I think that he's the leader that everybody needs and then sacrifice myself immediately after like it was yeah. such a it was such a like I didn't like what she did was fucking amazing. Like I'm going to jump to light speed through a ship. Like the balls that it takes knowing that you're basically just about to completely disintegrate yourself and save everybody else in the process. But the emotional weight of it wasn't there because, because you were sitting next to me in the theater. We're watching it. And I'm like, like I really want to 
feel something for this character. Except they're just trying, like, Ryan Johnson's just trying to get me to feel nothing but, like, contempt for her. Yeah. But then we're immediately going to flip it around and be like, no, like, I really like Poe, too. Well, in the and then, books, like, and then the emotional, was... And then the emotional scene that they have together. Her and, yeah. not, not together being her and, her and Leia. Where Leia's like, yeah. I can't lose again. Like, I can't, like, we've lost so much today, I can't lose you. And she's like, well, she's like, you can't lose, because you're the one that taught me how to. And, like, they have this super emotional scene, and I'm like, I'm yeah. sitting there watching it, and I'm like, I, like, if this was the second movie that this character was in, like, if we got all of this, like, if we got all of this groundwork in in Force Awakens, mm-hmm. or, or if we're seeing this in the final movie of the trilogy, and not in the first movie that she's introduced... Mm-hmm. It would have carried a lot more emotional weight. Well, try this on for size. Take her sacrifice out of the Last Jedi, but leave her in. Yep. Give her okay. the chance to at least survive into the Rise of Skywalker, if not uh-huh. past. Yep. And make that sacrifice that was made. Admiral Akbar. So he doesn't get killed Ooh. off screen in the first what 10 minutes. But he's the one that makes the sacrifice play. This character who that. we've known since Return of the Jedi, who classic fans have been latching onto from the old books, from the comics. It's a trap. There's more material there. Let him be the one that gives the sacrifice play. Let Holdo continue on to have more stories. How would that scene have played out differently? That would have been fucking dope. Yeah. Like, very candidly. Like, that would have been that would have been fucking incredible. Because, I mean, remember, Akbar officially was brought into canon, well, current canon, the earliest, during the Clone Wars. So right. he's been involved with the Republic, the Rebellion, whatever, in one way or another since the Clone Wars. To have that look, be the I, way well, he goes out. And look, and I think, so I think, well, and I think just it, that also points to the bigger problem with The Last Jedi for me. Which was... Abrams built on the new Abrams built the new trilogy mm. around a love for the past and a wrecking and the yes. recognition of the past. Ryan Johnson was basically like, it's a new day. Yes, it is. And then you hear the mm. new days music hit. No, sorry. Bad, ref, <laughs> bad rest reference. But like Ryan Johnson built up on it. Like, cool. So these are new characters. We're going to build them up. And I'm basically just going to get rid of, all of the old characters. And I'm I'm really going to do, like, and I... Like, if you want any question as to whether or not what he thought of... The way that the past influences the present and the future, like, look at what he did with Luke Skywalker. Right. Like, for me, like, everything that Luke did now... If, if you want to have that old kind of very broken down, very, 
just done with all of it Luke Skywalker, you can very easily get that, and you can have him be cynical, and you can have him afraid to face his past. But for him to take up a lightsaber against his own nephew, like, yeah, uh, like I, just, I, I mm. uh, and, and that's, I think that's where the books that have been the best, the comics that have been the best uh-huh. that's the difference even though every one of them is categorically a different beast fundamentally from what the old Star Wars EU was like it does mm-hmm. take a different tone it gives a a darker tone to the rebellion while giving a bit more of a sympathetic view to the individuals inside the empire they all do at its heart the ones that have been the best did all of that while maintaining a love for what came before and you could feel that in the stories whereas all the books that have failed and the movies that have done the poorest either disrespect the past or try as hard as they possibly can to distance themselves from what the past Star Wars EU did. And that is the fundamental difference. Because there's a reason why the past worked as well as it did plot holes and all yeah yeah i yeah i i think you know i think we could go on and on about that oh, yeah. you know um just we really could it's just you know it's it's right now it's wait and see time right for now mm-hmm. it's it's cool that they're doing a very marvel like hey we're going to branch out into the galaxy and we're going to show you all these different things that are going on and they'll fall under the umbrella of you know the greater storytelling the grander storytelling and it's cool that we're also Mm -hmm. going across different eras and different generations of the republic um yeah you know with the the high republic being 200 years before phantom menace you know it's almost like the old republic was a little too far back what you know being 10,000 years or a thousand years or whatever it was I actually had it pulled up uh the answer is yeah yeah uh the right KOTOR was I think a thousand years wasn't it so the Tales of the Jedi stuff so the start of the old Republic era began 5,000 years prior to a new hope and went up to a thousand years before a new hope so I mean, it was a f- far way back, but then you got the dawn of the Jedi. That was 25,000 years before. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, time jumps and stuff aside, yeah, no, going a, just 200 years back does give a little bit more direct connection while still giving space. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You can tell newer stories, you can bring newer characters, but you can mm-hmm. still, in theory, have it 
have implications on what would end up becoming, you know, the prequel trilogy, then the original trilogy, and then the sequel trilogy. Well, I mean, hell, one of the characters that's going to be part of, I don't know if it's going to be a big part or not, but definitely has been said to be a part of the higher public stories, is a 200-year younger Yoda. Yeah. And we've already gotten the concept art for what he's going to look like for uh, that age. And whether he becomes a main character or just happens to exist during these stories and is uh, brought in every now and then, either way, it gives the ability to connect while still being separate. I think it would be detrimental to make him a main character, but I think if you have him pop up throughout different stories and maybe, like, not just pop up for the sake of, like, poking his head in like he's fucking the next-door neighbor. Like, hey, everybody. Yeah. But if you have him, you know, if you have him We, we don't in, need like, a, a a Wilson from... Um, yeah. Oh, hey, Tim, we'll cheat you up. Yeah. Improvement. <laughs> Yeah, and we only and we only see the top of Yoda's head as he's looking over the fence. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I look, I I think I think you're like I think you're hundred percent right. I think we need new characters to build up off of and expand the universe with. I think, but that doesn't mean that you completely and totally lock out characters that could have been there. Like, have them show up, have them do stuff, but don't base the entire story around them. Exactly. So, um, hey, holy shit, Brad, we've been talking for like almost two hours. Hour and a half, actually. I, I've been watching the time. Yeah, so I'm going to round that up to, okay, I'm going to round that up to two hours. <laughs> so, um, definitely more than the kind of 30, 40 minute thing that we were expecting, but you know, fuck it. Maybe, maybe we could, maybe we could cut this up into a part one and a part two or, uh. Oh, I don't see how that's even possible at this point. <laughs> That's fair. But hey, podcast long form that works. Um, That's fair. But yeah, so without going off on yet another fucking tangent, um, right, guys? Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, obviously, uh, we, we've gone a, a bit, a bit in depth about our thoughts on the Star Wars yeah. EU as it stands today. We do, regardless of our cynicism, we do have hope for the future of the Star Wars EU, but Mm -hmm. we are cautious about what our expectations are for each new thing. We're we're waiting to be proven right about certain potential, and we'll go from there. Right. But And and also, just really quick, really quick, mm -hmm. just everybody don't judge Brad because of his political views and SJW hate. <laughs> or was that, or was that, was that me? I don't remember. I mean, I think everybody can clearly tell I, I'm a hardcore MAGA supporter, right? I mean, I, I, I think that, I mean, <laughs> Hey, I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't been impeached. So, I mean, that means we could get 2024. We could get, uh, Trump two electric boogaloo, right? <laughs> or would that be? Or would that be a? Would that be? Would that be MAGA? Yeah, would that be MAGA two MAGA harder? With that, guys, uh, we're gonna miss you. We're gonna miss you, Big Daddy. We're gonna miss you. <laughs> 
uh, <laughs> with that, guys, thank you so much for joining us. We do appreciate it. Yes. Um, if you've made it to the end, uh, thank you, as always. Um, if, you, if you've made it to the end, put your address in the comments below so that we know where to send the check to. Uh, no, 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 no. It's audio only. There are no comments. So uh, I'm going to need you to text Brad at this phone number. It is. Hang on, let me pull this up. Uh, let me know when you guys. So, okay, you guys are ready. All right. Guys, seriously though, thank you so much. Uh, and if this is your first time checking us out, uh, you definitely chose a weird one. But yep, good on you. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yep, and please don't run away in sheer terror. <laughs> and, and like we said at the beginning of this, um, you can check out more of our content. Uh, the videos of our interviews and our live streams over on YouTube and Facebook. Um, maybe another platform coming up soon. Uh, 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 uh. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> it's it's. Hey, I'll I'll go ahead and spoil it for you guys. It's Snapchat. We're gonna long form storytelling on Snapchat. <laughs> 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 or would uh, sorry would Vine be better? <laughs> uh, TikTok. <clears throat> we're we're gonna live no. stream TikTok. No, fuck TikTok. Everything we do is for the Vine. <laughs> um. <laughs> And, of course, you can always check out the audio of our live streams, our interviews, and more of these audio exclusives uh, over on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher because reasons. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, guys, seriously, thank you so much for joining us. Um, as always, I'm mm -hmm. Brad. That's Mike. We're Dallas. God Keith. damn it. Stop pointing. They can't see you. <laughs> <laughs> and see ya.